to On the Outskirts. With me, Sophia Rosemary and Alice Catherine. Very well, thank you. I feel like I feel like me and you have had a lot of one-on-one time over the last uh, over the last few weeks. We had um, we've actually seen each other. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, we had two train journeys to and back from London, didn't we? So that's a lot of time. A lot of time. <laughs> uh, yeah, we went down to see. Uh, some of you might have seen it on Instagram. That, when I'm saying that, I feel like it's the Queen's wedding, <laughs> but it felt just as important. Uh, we went to our friends uh, Olivia Purvis and Joe Galvin's uh, wedding. Yeah, beautiful um, wedding. Beautiful wedding. Um, it was at the Queen's house in London. I feel like I'm the official reporter for the wedding. <laughs> yeah, giving commentary on it. Yeah, and the here dress she... was divine. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, and here she comes now. It was an absolutely beautiful wedding, um, and we were very honoured to go down and celebrate such a momentous occasion with them weren't we yeah it was such an intimate ceremony where i think we were both really just felt really privileged to be there didn't we yeah which is a bizarre thing to say about your mate's wedding but no it's so lovely when somebody wants you to be a part of their big day isn't it yeah massive congratulations to those two yes Um, it was just a day full of love wasn't it and great people Um, i was gonna say and just great cakes (laughs) yeah fantastic cake spread um yeah i was gonna say that actually it was really like the what a great group of friends those two have. What good taste in friends. Taste in friends. Um, but it was so nice because there was a lot of um, other bloggers there who, uh, you know, who are our friends. And it was just so nice to catch up with them and just to spend time with, like, an amazing group of people. Really gushing about this wedding, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Moving on. Uh, what have you been watching, reading? What have you been into? What's right. been occupying your spare time? <laughs> I'm going to... Other than me. <laughs> Um, so I went to go and see Rocketman last night. Oh, how was it? I'm I'm genuinely asking that because I've not actually asked (laughs) you how it was yet. Um, yeah, I'm going to try not to rant at this Mm. when I'm explaining this one. So I just want to start by saying I'm a massive Elton John fan. Mm -hmm. Uh, Rocketman lyrics have been in my Instagram bio since day one of my Instagram account. I feel like that's a tradition now that I have to keep it there as well. Like, yeah. even, I, I sometimes look at it like it's not in context of anything <laughs> I do to say I'm a rocket man, but it's now just a tradition to keep it there. And but it's yeah. also like a throwback to where you were putting lyrics in your title. Yeah. Any form of social media it was just the given. Yeah, it's very it's very MySpace, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yes, I went to go and see Rocketman yesterday, and I'm a huge Elton John fan. Um, and the cinematography is absolutely amazing. Um, it's kind of laid out like a musical, which is incredible and actually really works for that whole Elton John theatrical aesthetic slash vibe. And Taryn Edgerton, who plays Elton John, is like second to none, like couldn't have been cast better. Mm-hmm. Can you feel a bud coming yeah, on? And um, the storyline was just, just didn't do it for me. Um, and to the point where afterwards I was like, is there something wrong with me? Like, I actually got bored halfway through. Um, so afterwards, I was Googling, like, different reviews to see if anyone else agreed with me. And, yeah, a lot sort of had a similar ilk in thought about it. It was just... It kind of came across a little woe is me, and you could tell mm-hmm. that Elton John had had a lot of say in it. Mm-hmm. And I think Elton John's music is so inspiring. And, yeah, it was. it just seemed a shame because... 
he focuses really heavily on a lot of arguments he's yeah. had throughout his life, like with his mother, with his manager. And I kind of feel like these riffs sort of dictated the storyline a bit. So oh, I feel like I've just been really negative there. I've not even seen a trailer to it, so I don't have any kind of expectations. I'd certainly suggest to still go and see it because, like yeah. I said, as a, a massive Elton John fan, the aesthetics of it definitely mm-hmm. were as you would expect. And like I said, the um, Taron Egerton, um, who plays Elton John, is insanely amazing. And to be fair, I have been listening to the soundtrack all this morning, mm-hmm. but then that it is his music I love. So I was never going to be disappointed in that. I was kind of the opposite take in terms of when I watched um, Bohemian Rhapsody. I wanted to see a little bit more drama from it. Not necessarily the really gritty side, because I kind of just think that wouldn't be... We know that. Yeah, it's, we know yeah. it, and we don't really need to see it played out on screen, necessarily. Um, but I, I feel like they could have taken it a bit darker than it was, maybe. But I think that's just the kind of the morbid curiosity in me that always wants to see a story yeah. take a bit of a, a dark take. or I like to see the different layers, but... Was it just that the arguments weren't really... They didn't yeah, feel it, important? Or, yeah, it yeah. kind of felt like Elton John, because he's had a big say in it, and you could really tell. Um, mm. It kind of felt like he was sort of um, force-feeding the audience all of these different riffs and problems right. he's had with people. Like, look, isn't this bad? Look, look how badly I was treated yeah. here. And it was like almost stating his claim. Yeah. And it was sympathy kind of ran dry like there's only I mean he's had an insanely amazing career and not that that's the be all and end all but I don't know his his character's not one that you draw sympathy from I don't think yeah um and I don't want to spoil it for anyone but it kind of goes through all these problems he's had and how he, he finds himself and it ends up with him well it starts at the beginning and it ends in the same place in a rehabilitation centre in like mm. a luxury rehabilitation centre and that's basically where he finds himself and it's like mm. Mm, just, I don't know just, how empowering that is yeah, yeah. Uh, sorry I feel like that was very negative so let's just <laughs> move away from that because I could rant about it all day um, have you been watching anything have you got anything positive to say um, I feel like I've just been getting back into kind of watching things on Netflix and stuff um, I watched Dead to Me that I oh really, yeah! Really I don't know if we talked about that. Um, we've spoke about this off recording. Off recording, Because yeah. I said I'd watched like three episodes, and I kind of started to find it a bit naff, so I turned it off. Yeah, I mean, in, I got the same vibe from it from the beginning because I couldn't really work out what it was trying to be. I was like, is it a black comedy? Is it a thriller? Like, what is it? Like, is it a bit of both? And I do just think it's one of those things that's a, it's a great binge watch. I kind of watched it in the space of like two days. Um, I really found that the the female characters in it were really well developed and the acting in it was just really good. There's themes of um, fertility in there. Um, grief. Yeah, grief. Um, but then it's also just really kind of wickedly funny at the same time. So I think it was just... I don't know. It was a it was a good binge watch. Do you think I should carry it on? <laughs> I don't really have anything profound to say about it, but I, I would definitely carry it on. Um, I think there's only like eight episodes or something like that. Okay. Um, so it's a good watch. Um, and what else have I been watching? Oh, I I'm four episodes into um, Chernobyl. Um, Saw you which, gushing about it yeah, on Twitter. I feel like not many people have been talking about it, and I don't know if it's because it's on HBO and it's getting a bit overlooked by other things or I feel like I personally catch on to anything that's on HBO a lot later than everybody else yeah I do too um, I watch everything on my laptop so the TV is like dictated to isn't it funny how that happens because I, I used to watch it on it for ages yeah. yeah um but it's just incredible um 
I mean, obviously this was this was in the 80s as well, so it's not even that long ago, and the effects of it, I'm sure, are still rife in people's lives. I mean, I've not watched any kind of documentaries about it um, or anything since watching the series, yeah. but I do, I'm really, really riled up now to go and watch some documentaries and just read some kind of more yeah. information on it, because it's just so interesting, and again, like, the theme throughout it is kind of, like all these things that went wrong because of people's egos a lot of male egos Uh, caused a lot of suffering it's like there was a lot of board meetings they had which was just like kind of watching the house of commons on tv where everybody's shouting just bickering bickering yeah just an absolute shit show (laughs) yeah because i actually don't know anything about this event in history at all is that part of me? Like, I feel, I feel like, like you'll know. I was the same. I kind of knew dribs and drabs, and you kind of hear it referenced a lot on yeah. TV. Yeah, like, I knew the yeah, like, like yeah. To hear it, I knew of it, but not. I wouldn't... Yeah, but it's not like something you, which is strange, isn't it? Um, but I think there's a real trend for that at the minute, picking things out of kind of history and making these dramatized like TV series out of them and stuff. Yeah, and that's essentially what put me off it a bit at first because I didn't really want to see. Um, after just saying I have a morbid curiosity, I didn't want to see just essentially what could have been a bit of a horror film. Um, you know, like loads of graphic burns and things like yeah. that. I just wanted to find out more about how it happened and how it was dealt with and the effects after it. And that's what the TV series does so well. The acting's incredible. Uh, Jessie Buckley's in it, who's also in an amazing film called Beast with Johnny Flynn. And she's also in a new film called Wild Rose, I think it's called. The trailer came out for that a really long time ago, though. Yeah, but it, I think it's at the cinema now still, or it'll oh, just be right, going okay. out of the cinema, maybe. Um, but she's incredible. I just love her in general. I think she's really cool. You have sold it to me. I am going to... I think you'd like it. It's, yeah. It's really interesting, just especially if you're into history and things like that. It's got that same addictive element that kind of The Handmaid's Tale has for me, where I just I want to watch another one straight away. Gosh, I cannot wait. Golly gosh. <laughs> That's how uh, strongly I feel about Handmaid's Tale. I cannot wait for the third season. And now because it's so past the books, like, it's anyone's game. I hope it's not really game. cheesy, though. You know, because I, th- I feel like this series is going to be like their revolution. It's like the uprising, yeah. and I hope they don't make it a bit... I, I mean, I have faith in them, because I've never disliked an episode so far, so... Well, it's a tough one as well, because yeah. you're rooting for June, aren't you? Yeah. And then at the end of the last one, it was kind of like, oh... June, you're not helping <laughs> us here, are you? There's loads, there's loads and loads of good, um, juicy series coming back this year, yeah. Which leads us nicely onto our topic because a lot of them are based around women and women in media, media. which is yeah. our topic for this episode. And a topic that we, I mean, I'm looking down now, we have just basically two A4 pieces of paper covered in notes on this one. Um, we did debate splitting it into um, two episodes. Because it's chunky. Because it's chunky and there's a lot to unpick um, and a lot to say on it. And women in media in general is a huge umbrella of... It's vague, isn't it? topics and stuff, isn't it? Yeah, so... Um, and a lot of it is just our experience as well. I think we're not trying to speak for everybody. It's no, just, just more what we want to. It's yeah. just kind of... Our experience and how we've seen things change. and Yeah, things we've been watching yeah. that have had a, an effect on us and we've seen have an effect on other people. So, yeah. So, should we start off with uh, the representation of women in media in yeah. general? And kind of why that's important, I guess. Yeah. It's important to stress that the representation that women have in media is obviously has an adverse effect on how we all think, um, consciously or subconsciously. Yeah, and I think... 
we were talking about this before the podcast, we definitely feel like there's been a huge shift in the way that women have been represented recently in media, um, and especially throughout our lifetimes. Yeah. It's changed so much, hasn't it? How would you kind of say that it's changed in the last like few years? I think it's funny because I think um, going from the 90s where I think a lot of the things we thought we were watching were quite liberal um, and, you know, they showed quite outspoken, um, empowered women, like just off the top of my head, like Sex and the City, which was about a group of women who were, you know, had these amazing careers and were very um, sexually promiscuous and sexually open um, and now uh how many years has it been now like 15 years on or something we're realizing actually (laughs) and they're like that's when you know like that you're getting older is when the years all start to merge into one um so yeah sex in the city has it's been like what 15 years or so at least a decade anyway, and how we're looking back on on series like Sex and the City and we're realising actually they were kind of problematic Mm -hmm. and they actually reinforced a lot of stereotypes we have of women. And now I think women in media, we're starting to break down those walls and question not just the status quo, but um, there seems to be... Women are often pigeonholed. I actually think a lot more than men are... um, so you're either the doting housewife, baby maker, or you're the high power businesswoman yeah. who's a mega bitch. I mean, for a lot of series that I grew up watching as well, it was often that you were kind of the women were portrayed as funny, or they were kind of wallflowers, or they were there as like an add on to the male yeah. character in some way. And we were just talking about this earlier as well. We feel like there's a big shift now in terms of how women are being represented as. As, as having different sides to them like well, the difficult sides the messy sides the dysfunctional sides yeah especially with shows like Fleabag and Killing Eve that are relatable yeah. women who are not always perfect they're actually they, they can have their own problems and their own issues mm-hmm. um and I think that's a general theme I think we saw this in the Oscars not this year but last year when we had all of these huge films coming out with dysfunctional um, female lead roles mm-hmm. that were more relatable um that we could we could pick something from they didn't have to have it all they weren't um inobtainable uh, and this idea of moving away steering away a bit from women being portrayed as sexual objects just a heart women just kind yeah. of reclaiming their own sexuality kind of no matter what that entails and it's yeah do you think there is still that problem of women just being kind of portrayed as sexual sexual objects? Do you think that's still something we're working on? I think so, because I, th- I think it's... Um, I don't know, it's, it's problematic in a way because women have the right to be sexy and we have the right sure. to want to pose in our underwear if we want to and post an Instagram picture. Like, yeah. Nobody can tell us not to do that. Like, it's... I don't know, it's a strange one. I think... It's more about things being on our own terms, I think. Completely. And this, is, this is the way we want to be portrayed. And, yeah, I don't know. I, 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 do think, um, I do think we're moving away from women being sexual objects more and more. But then at the same time, I do still see it a lot in advertising. And it's that age-old thing of sex Sells. always seems to sell, doesn't yeah. it? So, I don't know. It's a strange one. Um, going back to Fleabag, though, that's probably a shining example of where you know, we're still exploring the subjects of sex and of women being promiscuous. And yeah, again, it's done in a real, realistic way. She's not really a sexual object. It is completely on her terms, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it's still something we're, we're grappling with. 
And I think it is still something women in everyday, you know, walks of life are dealing with where they feel like this push-pull of trying to be sexy and trying to be perfect. Yeah, but then it's about having those examples on screen, like in Fleabag, for example, she enjoys sex and she has quite a lot of sex, but it's about not slut-shaming her for that as well. Well, yeah. Everybody has different you know libidos and different sex completely yeah, it's just because i think that is the problem i think there have been all these stereotypes like i was saying before these stereotypes of women um but fundamentally it's funny because i think women can't win can they they're either um to be desired and you know these like sexual objects but then at the same time we're we're slut shaming women and it's like well which, which one is it can women talk openly and candidly about this you know, sexuality, or are you yeah, saying shame like, on them? Be sexy, but don't be too sexy. Don't, not too much. Be yeah. smart, but don't it's be exhausting. too smart, because then you'll upset people. Like, yeah. It's, yeah, it is exhausting. I was going to ask, actually, do you think that idea filters down to how we work and the way we pose for images, this idea that sex sells and that, you know, if we are more sexy, it'll be more appealing to the masses? Or do you, do you find that that's affected the way you work? For me personally, like, I'd never... I'd, don't see myself as a sexy person um but I certainly I understand how that might be the image a lot of girls have of themselves and I think kudos to them I certainly see how you know it is easy to fall into that um trap of wanting to be super glamorous and Mm -hmm. super perfect and super beautiful and we see it all the time you know girls docking their images so that they're like these unachievable figures of perfection mm-hmm. um but I wouldn't say I personally I, I, well I don't think I do well I'm not a very I wear dungarees and converse <laughs> like do you know what I mean but I was because I because I was somebody's idea of sexy well I someone I hope <laughs> um but I was saying to you the day wasn't I I saw um Leandra Cohen who does Man Repeller mm-hmm. um she was commenting on Cannes Film Festival on the red carpet and she made a really interesting point mm-hmm. that a lot of the red carpet outfits in that we're seeing now are actually more playful than mm-hmm. um Hollywood glamour and is that because women now feel like they have the freedom to be who they want yeah, to be and they don't have to fit that mold e- exactly like... and I thought yeah actually you've really hit the nail on the head I think we we've transformed the idea of sexy mm-hmm. What do you think? That's why I loved looking at pictures of the 80s and 90s on the red carpet because it was just like PVC coats, sunglasses. Bougie. Yeah, it was just whatever goes. And I think like we are starting to get a bit of that back now in fashion, which is nice. Yeah. It's not just like you have to be this demure, chic kind of woman on the red carpet to be, you know, photographed by the paparazzi. Yeah. Show a bit of personality almost. Completely. But then also, it's fine if you want to wear a really sexy, chic black dress at the same time. So, yeah, do you, I mean, do you feel the need to be more <clears throat> overtly sexy? I don't I, think we are those girls. No, I mean, I think maybe more in the beginning when I started posting selfies and things like that, I would maybe pose in certain ways that I'd seen in magazines or that I'd seen on posters right. or that I'd seen other Instagrammers pose like. Because there's that sense at the beginning where you're just trying to figure out your body a bit and what works for the camera yeah. and things like that. But I do find it really interesting the way certain poses become uh, recycled so much. And almost like if you have a certain outfit on, you, your brain knows straight away to pose in a certain way to show yeah. the outfit in the best Completely. Way. And, and there are trends, aren't they? Like you do <clears> see certain... Um, like the Victoria Beckham pose where she's got the leg up. Yeah, that's, that's like really done the rounds, yeah. hasn't it? Yeah. 
Well, Instagram, I think, has such an adverse effect on trends, doesn't it? Because it's like... They, they're constantly churning out yeah. new trends all the time and we're constantly wanting And it's relatively more. new media as well, isn't yeah. it? Like what we see on Instagram is trends and algorithms are changing all the time, aren't they? So it's definitely an interesting one to to kind of unpick. Yeah. And I think we kind of touched on, you know, when we did the body podcast, we were talking about how now um, you're able to uh, look up to more obtainable women mm-hmm. um whereas in the 90s like the pin-up girls of the 90s were were you know these supermodels like Kate Moss or um Naomi Campbell yeah. and I'm not saying they didn't say a lot but it's almost like they weren't allowed to like they yeah. were just models weren't they mm-hmm. they weren't ever asked their thoughts or opinions yeah. and you don't get that now no, I don't it's think it's almost like the more personality you have the more successful the better yeah I was going to quickly touch on ad content as well because I I don't know about you but I've received a few briefs over the years that have been quite restrictive in terms of I remember getting one actually um and it was for a perfume brand which I won't mention and Anon yeah (laughs) and part of the brief was that you had to have pink nails to match the pink bottle and I just think that's so bizarre as a I mean, it, it's a bit eye-rolling, isn't it's it? It's a bit eye-roll-worthy, yeah. Um, and again, it trickles down to that idea of women have to behave a certain way or that we have to be portrayed a certain way in order to be accepted by people that are consuming that media. And it's just just a bit bizarre. Be that, more girly, basically. Yeah, be more girly, have pink nails. You know. People like you. That is a thing, though, isn't it? People like you more if you're girly yeah. and you're uh, bubbly. That's another one, and yeah. it's exhausting. Yeah. And I think, so, I think that's another another problem that women face i think sometimes when we're opinionated people roll their eyes at you more 100 percent, which leads us nicely onto the next question yes who do you admire in media in general who springs to mind interesting um, or... i think one of the big ones for me at the minute is kind of away from film and mm-hmm. tv um but i absolutely adore sally rooney the author um her two books normal people and conversation with friends are my absolute favorite books mm-hmm. definitely made my top five fave books anyway and what I love about Sally Rooney is she is she's kind of been deemed the author for millennials um, and she deals with a lot of females in her books as like the main protagonist why can't I get that word out main <laughs> the lead characters yeah. shall we say who and they're, they're again they're all dysfunctional they're very intelligent women but they're dealing with a lot of issues whether that's their sexuality uh, friendship uh, their place in the world even their own intellect and I think it's it's so nice and it's it's so refreshing to read about these women who aren't again pigeonholed into just being one one role or yeah. one character they're actually very three-dimensional how, i hate how people say that as if it's um an insult as well like author for millennials it's like well yeah again <laughs> millennials another one of those ones that gets a big eye roll yeah. from people but fundamentally that is what we are aren't we we are millennials and i think for me sally rooney she's an amazing role model to have because i think she's opened up a lot of conversations yeah she's she's one of those as well for me that articulates things that I've felt throughout different points of like my adolescence and growing up and throughout relationships that I've that I've had that weird feeling in my chest but I've just not been able to articulate it myself and I think there's 
a lot of lines throughout both of her books where you kind of go, ah, like, yes, that was I what got that you. was. Yeah, and I, you just like want to underline it immediately. <laughs> yeah, and she kind of, for me, I was reading especially conversations with friends um, where you know the the lead character in that she just doesn't know what she wants she doesn't know what's wrong with her she doesn't you know it's she's a very confused character mm. and it almost makes it okay to be confused to not have your shit together um and you don't have to be this just because you're an intelligent woman it doesn't mean you've got to have every side of your life figured out and be this high powered mm. you know career go getter and i just found that really refreshing to read how about you? Who's inspiring you or who do you admire at the minute? I think Phoebe Waller-Bridge. Um, I feel like I'm just going to mention her every 15 minutes. Oh, why not? <laughs> Happy to. But I think like we've spoken a lot about why we love her. But um, I was actually, just before we were recording, listening to um, Russell, Bron- Russell, Brand? <laughs> Russell Brand's... What's wrong with us today? Game tongue Sorry, guys. Russell Brand's podcast, Under the Skin, which is now on uh, Luminary. Um, I don't know why I'm doing free advertising for that. But, um, you have <laughs> Stay to listening now, to us. <laughs> you have to now pay for it, um, which is a bit of a bummer, but um, he has got some really good guests, including um, Jamila Jamil, Lena Dunham, and David Lynch. Um, so there's some great ones to listen to. Um, they are juicy guests. Juicy guests, yeah. They know what they're doing, trying to get people to hook up with that. Uh, yeah, they <laughs> Hand do. over their money, don't they? Um, but yeah, I was listening to Lena Dunham, um, who I know, whenever I say the words Lena Dunham... I she's feel Marmite, like, isn't yeah, she? Yeah, she's such a Marmite, um, I don't want to say character, woman. Um, but yeah, the way she's portrayed in the media is a bit caricature-like, isn't it? Like, she's this um, problematic millennial that's a narcissist and that's said a lot of um questionable things um she's but, basically unlikable isn't she yeah, and it is because she's like millennial for me it's quite deep rooted with her because uh me and my best friend would watch who now lives in australia we would watch girls together and then we'd ring each other immediately after and talk about the episodes and laughed cried clapped my way through those series and just yeah. absolutely adored them um i loved girls I loved girls because I hated a lot of the characters yeah, as well. It's okay was, to hate them. But yeah, I was just saying to you, she she's one of those people that for me, she'll say things similar to Sally Rooney. She'll say things in a way that I just am not capable of. And it's, yeah. it's those things that stick in my head and that I refer to time and time again and that almost just give me that comfort. And to me, that's why I will never dislike her because I just think she's done a lot for me personally. So. Yeah. You know, I think it's it's just one of those. It, it would be so easy to look at her from the outside and not to kind of read any of her work or relate to the series and be like, oh, she's a bit of a dick. But to me, she's done a lot for me and almost shaped yeah. a lot of the, the views that I have. And Completely. I agree with you and Lena Dunham. I understand why she's like Marmite, but then I think um, a lot of the reasons we don't like her come from a lot of problematic issues we have with women in general because she's outspoken um she can be a bit of a narcissist at times um but again she she suffers she suffers a lot from people just rolling their eyes at her and I've got a lot of appreciation for girls because I think it's actually going back to Sex in the City a good comparison with how far we've come um because both series deal with 
you know, they're set in New York, they're around female friendships and sort mm-hmm. of finding yourselves in relationships. But it's kind of, it shows how far we've come from Sex and the City, which is all about shoes and, you know, you're just one character yeah. and that's it, to girls, which again is like these three-dimensional, sometimes unlikable characters who flawed make you... Oh, yeah. so flawed. But, but we're all flawed. Aren't who so, aren't very, yeah. who sometimes aren't even the greatest of friends. No. Um so yeah, I've got loads of appreciation for girls. I think it comes back to this idea of like cancel culture as well, and how if if somebody does what sets one foot wrong, oh, we can't look up to them anymore. We can't quote them anymore. We oh, can't reference it's them anymore. It's exhausting. Yeah, and I personally don't find people helpful who have lived linear existences. Like, it's she's this rare thing where she's problematic, but she's also extremely self-aware. And some people might say that's a dangerous combination because if you're self-aware, therefore learn from your mistakes. But we have to also remember this is a young woman who's grown up essentially like on screen and dealing with with severe health issues, addiction problems that she's been vocal about as well. And also just trying to like navigate fame. And I can't imagine how much pressure that would be. Yeah, no one starts life being um, PR trained, do they? Mm. And and you called her a character before, and I actually think that's quite fitting. She's like a caricature, isn't she? And she's kind of given herself that branding, hasn't she, of being outspoken and and being controversial and being against the grain, you know, getting her body out when she might not have the perfect Hollywood figure and inverted commas there. And that's a hard role to play, isn't it? And her role is is basically to not always be liked. What you just said about PR training as well, like that's, I think that really touches upon why I like her because... I don't want to listen to celebrities that have been prepped before they come on for an interview. I want to listen to people that are unfiltered and that give their honest opinions and that if they fuck up, yeah, they fuck up. Don't we all fuck up? It's I don't want to listen to somebody who's like a bit of a Stepford wife and just sits there and says, yeah, this this is what I think on that. And it's just yeah. things that they've been fed that from management or whatever that they're supposed to say. I'd rather just listen to people like off the cuff, and I think that's why I'm so interested in podcasts because they're that's, candid, that's what they are, yeah, you know, most of the time anyway. Um, but do you, do you think that there's sometimes a push and pull with women where women feel scared of oversharing? Well, not oversharing, but just sharing in general their opinions and their thoughts. Um, yeah, I think I think so. Yeah, I think with cancel culture and stuff like that it's we're living in a dangerous age where unless you're this shiny bright example of what a woman should be you're condemned for it yeah and it's just if we're condemning people for making mistakes we're essentially saying that we don't believe in progress yeah like nobody can progress once you've done one thing wrong that's it you you can't live a public life anymore it's just such such a dangerous thing we spoke about this before we started recording as well there's this term of being a feminist in progress and I think it's actually really apt for um, culture nowadays because I think we all are something in progress, aren't we? Mm. And I think feminist in progress is a good one because I think we're still finding our feet because we're still trying to break down the patriarchy, not to get all serious yeah. um, on this podcast. Or, you know, we're still trying to break down those um, preconceptions we have of women. And so we are we are feminists in progress mm-hmm. because we're still we're still thinking the way we were trained to think in the yeah. 90s about some things if that makes sense she um not to reference <laughs> i'm still still going on about lena dunham but she actually has a new podcast out which is going to be on luminary as well um called the c word and it's all about her and her friend exploring um 
celebrities or females in the media that have been condemned by the media. So, wow. you know, like people like Britney Spears and yeah. people like that, Mariah Carey, like... Um, so I think that'll be a really interesting one to listen to. I think it is important to go back as well. Like, um, it's it was like when there was a lot of hate towards Friends, as in the series, um, when it first um, got added to Netflix, and so people were rewatching it and actually and then going, actually, mm-hmm. this is really problematic. That's you know very sexist, um, uses a lot of stereotypes, and I, I think it's a tough one because I think. We have to move forward from it. We can't just cancel friends. It happened in the 90s. Yeah. Like, we have to just move forward from it. And, yeah. and nor do and, we need to remove things from history yeah. as well. Like, that really scares me, this idea that TV shows and articles... And things Get rid of it. Just be, yeah. yeah. It's like, no, we need those points of reference to learn from and grow from. Yeah. Yeah, it is just bizarre. Um, talking about the um, rise of the outspoken woman... Um, what do you think about oversharing? Do you think... I personally hate that term, but I do see why it's useful in certain kind of social situations, maybe. Yeah. But to me, I feel like it, it shouldn't exist. I don't know. To me, it reminds me if you're at a party or something and then, I don't know, Karen walks over and she's a bit drunk <laughs> and she says something about a divorce. And, and then, then we're all like, goes, oh, that was oversharing. Cool Surely oversharing is in the eye of the over... Yeah, the beh- yeah. Oh, I was going to say the oversharer. Yeah. yeah. Surely what you, you feel natural or you feel comfortable with sharing is completely up to you. Like, who is someone else to judge? But I will say 100% when I've been writing my blog posts, especially the ones on female health and stuff like that, I have been struck with, oh, am I sharing too much here? Do people really need to know about that? But I think the thing that always kind of sticks with me is that if it's going to help people, then it's worth saying. And who's to say what's not worth saying as well? I don't know. It's a bit of a... It's a weird concept, isn't it, the idea of oversharing? Well, it is because, and it's, it seems a shame as well because we have all of these platforms now, Twitter being the main one, we're encouraged to give opinions and then scared of oversharing. So it's like, which one is it? Again, it's exhausting because we don't know which way to go. And again, we're sort of finding our feet with it. I think the. And you see women being scorned for it as well as if it's like. Oh, you shouldn't. Oh, um, yeah. she went a it's bit farther. It's not classy yeah. to talk about this. Or um, I think the the term that you just said then about uh, the rise of the outspoken woman is mm. an interesting one because I think there are quite a few women out there now who it's almost like they've been deemed the outspoken woman, so that then that's their job, mm-hmm. and that's kind of all that you know. They're they're championing all these amazing. I don't want to say causes, but, you know, they're outing all these problematic things that happen in culture and pop culture and media. And that's kind of their job. I have a really interesting um, reference for that, actually. Recently, I was watching, um, a couple of months ago, I think, was watching the R. Kelly documentary. And um, everybody was praising John Legend because he was one of the few celebrities that put his name to it and put his name to it, but he featured in it and was outspoken about it. And... um, I saw a lot of tweets towards Lady Gaga that were very disappointed that she'd been asked to yes. be part of the documentary, but she'd chosen not to, and she'd chosen not to say anything about it. And I think there is this, going back to what you said about women in the spotlight who are known for being kind of vocal, there's this kind of idea that they have to be vocal on everything. Everything. Um, and yeah. I think that's a dangerous thing as well, because 
I was listening to the Hilo recently and they were talking um, about the eradication of like the middle ground and how we, we no longer have the fence. Yeah, you've got to have an we opinion have on this, everything. Yeah, you have to have an opinion on everything and there's no room for people who are like, actually, I don't know what I think on this yet. I don't have a, an educated opinion on it yet and want to do a bit more research and just figure out where I stand with this and why can't that be okay? It's not in fashion to just say, I don't know. Yeah. Anymore, yeah. yeah. And it doesn't mean that you're that you don't care just because you don't have a very kind of yeah, vocal opinion on completely. Just... And we're adding. I feel like we're sort of adding another notch onto another expectation. Mm-hmm. We're an expectation we're expecting of women. Yeah. So now you've also got to have an opinion on everything, and you've also got to, you know, your opinion's got to be right, and it's got to be just. And it's again, it's exhausting, isn't it? Like I'm, you I'm, can't just sort of play the field yeah, and you can't just be take a back seat, sat on the fence, and just be like, yeah, it's quite comfy here. I'm going to stay here for a bit before I make a really bad choice and say something that's maybe not, maybe that's misinformed or yeah, it's just it's it, yeah. Again, it's that idea of not being able to progress. We're basically saying you you have to be in this box or that box, and that's it. Yeah. Um, Controversial question, (laughs) but I'm just going to ask it. Do you think um, outspoken women can make other women feel inadequate, maybe? Because they do tend to have... Outspoken women, is that an awful phrase to be using? Because I'm saying it, and I'm like... No, I don't think so. Okay, just, just making outspoken. sure. I was yeah. saying it, and I'm like, it sounds like it's a negative thing, and I think we're saying think it as positive. Media thing. has made, to feel, made us feel. Like ah, <laughs> I've been tricked. I've been duped. Do you think that they um, that uh, they can make other women feel inadequate who don't have all these, you know, big opinions, and do you want to maybe sit on the fence? I'll be the first to admit, I, I do find Twitter exhausting sometimes because I feel like. There's a lot of opinions and I'm very guilty of just retweeting other women's opinions and then I kind of lose track of what my own opinions are. Yeah. So it's almost like my feed just becomes all these other women that I admire and then I forget that I'm also a woman that has the ability to form my own opinion on things. Um, But, you know, sometimes people are just better at wording things than you are and... Sometimes I just get exhausted with Twitter and I just like... It's like I one just, mass debate, yeah, isn't it? On everything. I just like a retweet, to be honest. <laughs> um, you do my work for me. <laughs> what she um, said. I mean, people find Twitter annoying in general, don't they? I think it's just... It's a big wall of opinions coming at you constantly. Um, you're essentially logging onto an app that's asking you, what do you think, at any point of the day? And it's a lot to digest. Yeah. Um, so I can see why it becomes annoying and I can see, similar to what we said about like Lena Dunham and people like that, how people become almost caricatures of themselves and it's easy to dislike this caricature than it is to remember that this is an actual person with feelings and opinions and... And everyone's entitled to yeah, those thoughts and Yeah, and a life that they have to live off social media... But yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know. What do you think about that? Do you think women? I think that it can become annoying if I, people I'm, are outspoken. I I completely um, agree with you. I think. I've definitely fallen victim before to going on Twitter and having these own thoughts and opinions, you know, all by myself. And then, um, you know, there's another girl out there who's maybe articulated it a lot better than I have. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think there is a huge pressure, especially in what we do as bloggers and influencers, to almost be these perfect human beings who have all the right opinions and everything, who, you know, who want to champion all these amazing causes. 
and fundamentally that doesn't that's not realistic I think what happened to a girl wanting to blog just because she likes fashion or she likes um, interior or whatever or she likes writing or why does she has to almost be a jack of all trades now and champion everything on and that's so exhausting and it's almost going back to that old-fashioned image of women having to be these perfect beings yeah and there's so there's so many women out there therefore we don't all need to be everything yeah we don't all need to have our eyes and ears in all these different places constantly in order to be like validated by society yeah completely and and i think as well like that for me the whole point in you know influencers and bloggers and bloggers or whatever is that they're these really relatable realistic women well surely if they're perfect in every aspect of the word perfect then they're no longer relatable it's it's a weird one isn't it because sometimes i think do we have a part to play in that? Because, you know, Instagrams are essentially, we've talked about it before, they're these shiny grids, all these perfect photos that kind of fit together in an aesthetic and then... The poses that are trendy. Yeah, the poses that are trendy, all these things, and then suddenly when you've got something to say, it doesn't quite fit up with this shiny, perfect exterior, then people don't like it or they have a problem with it. I don't know. Because I find myself personally shying away from stuff like that I mean I don't always like to be vocal on Instagram and sometimes I will video something and think oh will people find my my will people find my sense of humor funny or will they just be like oh that's not funny or <laughs> yeah because <laughs> I have quite be a dark quiet. sense of humor as well so <laughs> yeah I have to be careful because I just think you do have to feel to yourself these days don't you it's, yeah it's dangerous to be a woman with an opinion yeah, no, it, it is true. It's you. I feel like sometimes you've either got, got to just be one up. Oh no, <laughs> dangerous woman. <laughs> Do you think, uh, as uh, the millennial generation, that that we certainly have transformed the way women are portrayed in the media, and we've definitely changed the format haven't we even in the last a few years yeah um where do you think we've got to go so how do you think we're going to shape it further in the future if that makes sense yikes yikes <laughs> yeah i don't know i guess i think we're living in a very important time and a very exciting time i think there's definitely some sort of uprising in terms of revolution like, yeah, in the air um not to get all handmaid's tale but you can definitely feel that women are more riled up and women are angrier and that we're trying to channel that anger in the best way that we can um we're definitely becoming more creatures who are able to say no more and go actually that's not okay yeah but on the flip side of that I don't think it's important for everybody to be this perfect role model. Yeah. And I don't think we should be shamed for trying. But yeah, I, I mean, I do hope that it's going in a positive direction. And I mean, we we won't really know, because we're not fortune tellers, <laughs> what media there's going to be in the future. Yeah. So we can't really predict where it's going to go. But I hope it's inclusive and I hope it's... I hope it feels like a safer place than it does yeah. at the minute sometimes. I ho- yeah, I hope it carries on the, the way... the progress that we're seeing at the minute um with a lot of you know there's a lot of tv series out now which have these amazing empowering women characters who are dysfunctional and real and we're seeing it in film a lot as we've already mentioned and i just hope that carries on i hope you know especially in hollywood where these 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 are all these different stereotypes of women that are being broken down that that just continues i think i guess that's all you can hope for really isn't it 
I was thinking about this the other day, actually, and thinking about what films I would choose to show my daughter. You know, like, a catalogue uh, yeah, of films Yeah, because um, Keira Knightley spoke about this recently, didn't she? About The Little Mermaid. Yeah, she yeah. won't show her daughter um, Disney, Disney films where the yeah. female characters aren't that empowering. Yeah, there's, I mean, Little Mermaid, for one example, she gives up her voice to be with a man doesn't she and until she said that i was like oh yeah <laughs> yeah she does do that doesn't she's been brainwashed <laughs> yeah by the power of disney <laughs> as we all have the 90s generation um yeah there's there's a lot of those similar themes running throughout the disney films yeah. but i don't know and then i spoke to sam about it and he was like oh but it is a good film <laughs> and it was that's it isn't it but then again yeah. see that that's a prime example of being on the fence yeah like i love beauty and the beast I feel like I would like my children to watch that film because yeah. I love it. But then at the same time, it is like... Ugh. I think it's one of those where I will say to her, let's sit down and watch The Little Mermaid and then afterwards we'll have a conversation about why maybe The Little Mermaid didn't make the best <laughs> choice. The actual fair, the Grimm's Brothers fairy tale of The Little Mermaid is, is hideous. <laughs> yeah, right? it's it really does. Uh, yeah. Mom, we had books of those, and my mum used to read some of them before before bed. But yeah, they're, they're pretty grisly. But then I guess that's also a point to mention as well. That the Little Mermaid, those stories were written when feminism didn't even exist. Yeah, and it's that same thing where it's like... Did we just get rid of everything that happened in the past? We've all been the Little Mermaid at one point in our lives. <laughs> <laughs> we've all, you know, given up way too much for, a, for a guy that wasn't... Yeah, <laughs> found legs, lost legs. <laughs> Um, but it's again that idea that we don't need perfect role models constantly. It's it's more just about having the conversation afterwards about, you know, an honest conversation, how things could have been better or how this person could have handled something differently rather than scorning people for just... Just explaining that there are options as well. Yeah. You don't Frozen. have... You don't, yeah. <laughs> I love... Frozen's a good example of how, how we've reformatted the Disney princess, isn't it? Did yeah. you just say Frozen then? I did say Frozen. Thank God. <laughs> um, yeah, that is a good example of how we've reformatted how Disney princesses are perceived. Yeah. And it's done so well because of it, hasn't so it? So well, which is great to see because it's good that, that stuff that's got a good message is being well received. And it's not really a romance in the end, isn't it? it no, is it's it? like a sisterly love. Can't believe it, we're talking yeah. about Frozen now. No, it's gone down. <laughs> it's not even Christmas. Uh. Um, gone from Sally Rooney to... Elsa. We've covered a lot. Elsa. We ha- yeah, which, yeah. yeah, we have covered a lot, haven't we? That's why I think we felt like this subject was so meaty because there's so much we could cover because there is so much out there at the minute which is really championing women on. Yeah, and it was that weird thing of sometimes when there's so much to say you just feel like you shouldn't say anything at all almost yeah. because we're scared of cancel culture and things like that which is again a good example of women being silenced by media and being afraid to kind of just dip their toes into territory that maybe is a bit unfamiliar but they they're trying their best yeah and I think that's what it all comes down to is that as long as we're trying our best like people can't expect us to be perfect polished versions of what they want a woman to be and completely i feel like the moral of the story is that it goes back to that feminist in progress feminist in progress yeah if you want to watch the little mermaid watch the little mermaid (laughs) (laughs) alice wants to watch the little mermaid i'm putting the soundtrack on immediately (laughs) just just know that that is what's happening (laughs) i think it's time for us both to go and have a coffee and remember how to speak again. <laughs> yes. I slurred so many words in this one. 
but yeah thank you for listening and we hope this was enjoyable in some way um and yeah we'll see you in the next one see you bye bye